ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bike. Welcome back, everybody, to episode 15 of The Bite. It's Ace Boogie here, and tonight we're going to have a little shorter episode for you guys because we have a special guest that we're phoning in, and uh, some of you might know him. He's our favorite rod company guy. It's Gary Dobbins. So he's going to be answering some of our questions tonight. We're going to be shooting between all of us. You know, we all have questions for him. So, uh, yeah, we're going to give him a quick call real quick and uh, just listen in and enjoy. Hello. Hey, what's going on? No, I'm just kicking back reading the book, believe it or not. Sounds good to me. Um, so we're just going to kick it off. Uh, I guess just let you introduce yourself, and we can just kind of explain what's going on. So, fire away. Gary Dobbins, I, uh, gosh, I started fishing tournaments when I was 23 years old. Uh, had a, quite a bit of success. Pretty lucky a lot of times. Finally won the U.S. Open and started building rods 15 years ago and still fish some not near as what i used to but i'm still pretty active and you know still around a lot of bass fishermen well i I guess we could just ask you is what made you start making the rods you know i've I've made rods with a lot of companies um and I, i was just always tweaking i always i made a lot of custom rods too just for the fact that i i couldn't get exactly what i wanted and I'm just, I'm one of those guys that's so picky about rods, so picky about my hooks. I mean, I use Gamagatsu only, and I'm just, I'm just really anal about, you know, rods and hooks and line, and, and I just, I try to keep, you know, lost fish to an absolute minimum, and I knew I could build a lot better rods than what I was buying. Yeah, I mean, we, we agree. I mean, they're definitely far above anything that we've used before, for sure. But I guess we could go into what the Caden series is like. I know you had the new rod company or the new uh, rod series come out. If you want to kind of elaborate on what's the difference between the Caden and anything else that you have in the line right now. The Caden series is uh, it's actually a new material and a new build. Um, it's just it's just completely different. It's lighter. Um, actions are you know fairly close but just a lighter sensitive new build new materials and i'm always playing with anything that new comes out i just i can't help myself i have to go play with it and then when i really like it then i create problems for myself and like right now i've got a kate series and a sierra series that are not going to be that far apart price wise but um there's quite a bit of different in in the actions and and the makeup the rods a completely different build of completely different materials have you gotten any feedback from uh, the Cadence yet? Yeah, I've got a lot of feedback. Um, guys have really did a great job with that. The, uh, I mean, literally, the only negative I had is one one of the rods had a little bit of uh, finish coat got caught in the eye. Okay, you know, just a workmanship deal, not a big deal. And the only other negative, I, the only other negative I've had is on those split handle versions. The guys think there should be something down there in the split, some kind of logo some kind of writing something down there and there's not it's just it's just a bare piece of blank um but one of the changes i'm going to make to the cadence is i am going to go to full handle on all the casting rods that's going to be a, a big change you know split split handle dominated the industry for i mean pretty much the last you know dozen years or so i mean it was it's like 75 percent splits and now the industry's changing and it's coming and swinging back around the full handles 
and truthfully, I'm a full handle guy. I really like full handle rods, and and uh, so the Caden series is getting ready to get all full handles put on them. So that'll eliminate my one negative, and that's really the only bad feedback I've had. I've we've had one break, but it was broke by uh, FedEx at a shipping coop, and that's <laughs> literally the only single break we've had out of 1,200 rods. So. Um, I know some of the guys are up in the cold water country and they probably haven't put to a good test yet, but so far all the feedback is really, really positive. Yeah. I, I wish we could have put it to the test a little bit more. Fishing kind of sucks around here right now. So haven't, haven't really been able to use them, but they, they feel great. Uh, question for you about those, the, the actual blank itself. Um, will you be sanding down the wrap or is it going to come with that like a uh, rough finish on the blank? I'll probably leave that finish. I mean, I like it, and and what that is is once they decelerate, they take the cellophane tape off. That's what makes those little ridges in there. Um, and it's it's a look it's a looks deal. But there's a couple of little positives. One thing is there's no material removed from the blank, so it's going to automatically be like three to five percent stronger, which not a big deal. But the big deal is. You know, rods are sanded, and they're they're hand sanded. They're put through a machine, but it's all done by pressure of hand. So a guy that's really good at it, I mean, he makes very few mistakes. But it takes a long time to get a guy trained where he really has that feel. And if you don't sand the blank, the number one defect in, in rod blanks is over sanding one side over the other. You know, if it's not perfectly sanded even, it creates a weak spot. You load the rod, and it breaks. So if you have a non-sanded rod, you eliminate the number one defect you have in rods in the blanks um and you pick up like three to five percent and honestly i kind of like it i think it's cool um i haven't never i haven't had any negative feedback on that at all and so i i'll probably go ahead and use a non-sanded or at least possibly a light sanded version mm -hmm. where you'd still be able to feel them they just wouldn't be as as, uh, as rigid yeah and they look great it, it definitely feels different it's aesthetically it looks really nice so you, you think the, the rod is more sensitive with the full cork or the less sensitive with the full cork? I don't think it really matters, to be totally honest with you, as far as sensitivity. Um, I, I think that's a non-issue. Um, it's, it's it's really, it's a looks deal. Some of the guys believe they can roll cast better with a split handle. I, I really don't agree with that either. You know, my big negative on split handles is I, I fish a lot in a hoodie when it's cold. And that stinking handle gets stuck in the pocket on my hoodie all the time and drives me absolutely nuts um i don't mind a split on a spinning rod but i really don't like them on a casting rod and i did a i did a poll and we had a, about two thousand guys respond to the poll and it was 75 percent full handle so that's what the guys are going to want i mean are wanting and so that's what i'm going to build for them. that sounds good to me i like the full handle i know we have some no pun intended but split opinions on this but um i mean honestly we have a we have a, a guy started a Dobbins community page and those guys are, you know, really serious fishermen. I mean, they get way really technical and that's the guy, that's where I did the poll. We had a couple of thousand guys respond and, uh, but they, they, I mean, they're good. They're good. Really. Some of them are really techie. Um, but they all fish and, and they're all really into products and they really, really study products a lot. Do you have a favorite rod out of all the lineups? Oh, without a doubt, I do. It, uh, my favorite rod is a Champion 736C full handle. Um, it's a seven foot three, um, heavy, and it's it's basically a pitch and stick slash frog rod. It's brutally stout. Um, 
I mean, we started a tournament one morning in the Delta. I mean, first cast, I had a nine pound, eight ounce or eat it. And I put her in the air on the hook set. Um, I was wound up. I stole a frog and she ate it. And I, and I just snapped and, uh, that jerked her right in the air. The rod has got an unbelievable amount of power, but it's got a great tip where you can pitch, you can cast frogs really, really accurate. But when you need to pull on something, I mean, you can move them. Um, super well balanced, super sensitive. And I mean, I just, I mean, I've honestly, I've been asked that question several times. A guy asked me if he was going to put building rods today, is there a model that you would throw, you know, a dozen of them in your rafters in your attic so you'd always have? But I said, without a doubt, 736C. It's so hard to get a rod that powerful, that balanced with a great kick like that. It's, it's, I would really hate to have to make that rod over again. It's so dialed. Did you have a question, Stephen? Yeah. Hey, this is Stephen. I'm a guest on the podcast. I have a question based on the rod profile. You were speaking on talking about throwing frogs and et cetera. Do you have a particular type of line that you like to throw with your your frog or um, your jig or your spinnerbait, depending on the um, type of rod that you're using? You know, I do. I mean, I've I've just... I mean, I really love fluorocarbon. Um, if I'm throwing a frog, 100% of the time I'm going to have braid. And, you know, braid is braid. I mean, I'm one, the only one I don't like is I don't like dying with samurai. And the reason I don't is it's so limp. When you say, if you set the hook and you miss, it was that rod, that line up into a ball and you end up cutting it off. So I like a little bit stiffer line when I'm throwing a frog. Um, I like the samurai for any other kind of fishing, but not for a frog. Um, I throw a lot of CXXP line, you know, I mean, I throw, that's why I throw jerk baits on, um, spinner baits. It's, it's a mono. It's, it's unbelievably strong. Um, I've just had great luck with it forever. I mean, I've just caught a million fish on CXX and I throw fluorocarbon. I throw a lot of Seaguar fluorocarbon, um, especially in my, in lighter lines, like eight pound test. And I'm not a six pound test guy. I mean, I'm eight's about as low as I ever go. And uh, Invesex Seaguar is, I mean, just absolutely hard to beat. Yeah. So if you had a preference for your, let's say, your uh, weekend angler warrior type person, and they went out and bought a specific style rod, what would you recommend to those people? You know, I'd do um, something super versatile, like one of my 734s. We make a 734 in a whole bunch of different series, and every one of them is really good. And it's seven foot you know, three inches, four power. Um, we can say we call that a heavy, but it's it's a little bit on the lighter heavy side in most of the actions. Super versatile. You can do you can do so many things. You can Carolina rig with it. You can throw spinner baits, buzz baits. Um, when I won the U.S. Open, I didn't have a jig rod in the boat. It's not one of my best jig rods, but it works. Um, I always have a 734 in the bottom of my rod locker because it's it's super versatile. If, you know, if I have a screw up or something, I need another rod. In that case of the open, I didn't plan on throwing jigs. I was doing nothing but firing topwater and spinnerbaits. And I needed a jig rod, and I dug in there, and there's a 734. It's just super, super versatile rod. And naturally, it's number, one of our number one sellers in every series because it is so versatile. So with all that said, do you have a versatile um, spinning rod that would, you know, someone else might not be comfortable with a bait caster or something? Yeah, I do. I mean, and they, when I go to a bait, when I go to a spinning rod, my the most versatile is always a three power. Um, it's a medium. It's, 
it'll throw you can throw the light stuff because everything i build has got a little bit of tip into it so i mean everything should cast really well i I only use one single spinning rod i mean that's the only spinning rod i use i use and honestly it's an ecstasy 753 the best spinning rod i've ever had my hands bar done before that I used either the Champion 733SF or the DX743SF. They're both absolutely awesome rods. But after I made the Ecstasy with, you know, that, you know, Tori 1100 and the Torzite guides, it's just, I mean, that rod is just bad to the bone. But it's $550 fishing rod, too. Um, um, but I always go to a three power. I, if somebody's looking for a versatile rod and a spinning, I say 703 because you can throw nail weighted Senkos. You can throw tubes. Um, I mean, you can split shot with it. You can drop shot with it. There's just really nothing that you can't do. If you want a specific drop shot rod, I would say grab a 702. Um, if you want a shaky head rod, I'd say a 703. Um, exposed hook versus non-exposed hook. Um, but you just can't go wrong. A 703 will do it all. Hey, Gary, this is Alex. Um, I want to just say thank you again for coming on here. Uh, my father's been fishing your rods for almost a decade now and he actually when i when i told him that i might have the chance to speak with you he had gave me a couple questions of course i had several questions but being that he got me into bass fishing i figured i'd give give you his questions um so moving forward for the future of dobbins rods is there any new guide systems that you see um being like game changers or anything that you see moving forward, or is it going to be kind of just sticking with the the same as it's been? As far as the guides go? Yeah. You know, I haven't, I haven't really fell in love with anything, to be honest with you. I mean, I still prefer an insert. Um, I do fish a lot of braided line, and if you don't have an insert, I mean, you get the, you get a lot of line noise on your on your baits and your rods. I mean, it just drives me nuts. Um, so I'm not really into the ringless deals. Um, right now, I tell you, it's I use two guides. I use Fuji and I use Sea Guide, and the reason I use both those is they're top quality companies, and I have I mean, literally, I have almost zero issues with them. Um, in the past, I used another brand of guides. And I got away from them, I don't know, six or seven years ago because I was having some insert issues. And I carry those guys to this day. We do free repairs on our rods and stuff. But and uh, but Fuji and Sea Guide are just two of the best guides going. And I just, I don't really see. If they come out with something new, like right now, one of the, right now, one of them is coming out with, I mean, Sea Guide's coming out with like an oval. Instead of, an, instead of round, it's more of an oblong and they're saying that the line touches the guide a lot less. I just haven't tested it myself. I completely, I see the theory behind it, and I understand it, and I will try it. But sometimes, sometimes these theories don't necessarily work with guides. Like, you know, when Fuji come out with that really tall, skinny um, spinning rod guide, it's really it's supposed to line up with the spool, right? And it's supposed to cast so much farther and everything. So, I mean, I built two rods, identical rods, with the tall guide that lines right up with the spool, and then with the regular Fuji guide that I've been using forever, and the old ones outcasted this new ones, even though it lines up better with the spool. So a lot of that is what I call BS marketing. I mean, that's just what I call it. And it's a good theory, but let's take it out there on the water and let's test it. And that, that those guys did not test out for me at all. 
Um, so I'd look at a new one, but right now I'm really happy with the guys I'm using. Yeah. So you're 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 thinking you're just going to stick with what you know works well with your rods, which is it's good good business, really. You know, I tell you, I'm I am the guy that will. I'll try anything new. I mean, I really like. They make a new material. I promise you, I'm going to be one of the first guys that's grabbing it. I just can't help myself. Um, I'm always looking for something new and to play with it. But you know, I'm 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 that old guy that's like, I want to see it really work. I mean, the, the theories are. Everybody's got theories on this and that, but let's take it out there and, and let's put it. You know, let's apply it. You know, in our fishing and see if it really, really makes a difference or not. And just what I do. I mean, I'm a hands-on. You know, I test every. I made every single blank in my line, and I fish every single one of them before I'll, before I market them. And I don't use them personally a lot of them because I mean I prefer longer rods. But there's a lot of guys that want a six foot three or a six foot eight. So we make those. And honestly, I don't I don't fish any of them myself, but I I test all of them. And uh, the other question my dad had actually was. Uh... He's he's in the marketing world and he's in the ski business, so he sponsors a lot of skiers. And do you see a direct benefit when you started adding in these elite pros and MLF pros, uh, like Drew Cook and Boom Boom and Mueller? It uh, boy, that's a question that's gonna get me in trouble right here. Right? <laughs> I told him. I told him he was gonna get me in trouble asking me that. You uh. You, I'll tell you, I'm the guy that will always answer a straight question. So, truthfully, no. I have not seen an increase in sales. I haven't. Um, I really have not. Truthfully, I, I have not. Um, but those guys are buddies, and there's always a buddy deal. And, you know, and it doesn't hurt. And the, the thing is, some of the big box accounts, some of the big retailers, they believe that uh, – that the pros have so much influence on products. And I think they do it a lot of times, but you know, you have to think they're getting paid to throw stuff too. So there's always that little clash in there as well. But you know, Drew Cook's fishing extremely well. He had a rookie season this last year. And I mean, he's, he kid's going to be a force to reckon with Freddie. Me and Freddie go so far back that when he was a kid, he used to tie my jigs and spinner baits for me. You know, when he was a kid and I was fishing, you know, tournaments like crazy. He, uh, Freddie tied, you know, tied my baits. I mean, I've known Fred Rabanis forever, and you'll just never meet a more honest, down-to-earth guy than Freddie. I mean, he's just, he's just, he just, that's, Freddie's just Freddie. He's, he's the same every single day. He's, he's always happy to go fishing. He's always got a smile on his face. He's always laughing, upbeat, um, just a great guy and a great friend. Yeah, you got a good crew. Yeah, we do. It, um... You know, I mean, Fred talked me into making those green rods, and I'm again. I tell you, I'm not a green <laughs> rod guy. <laughs> so, so he did a lot of arm twisting for that deal. I promise you. Yeah, that hat was pretty bright there in the uh, last tournament where he was uh, out on Okeechobee. He he absolutely loves green rods, and uh, you know, I'm I'm that more standard guy. I like a matte black or a, or a, or a black blank. Um, I saw Drew Cook mention that he's got a rod series coming out, actually. Is there anything you can uh, let our followers know about that? You know, we're, to be totally honest, we're really just starting on that. I sent him a bunch of rods to uh, I wanted to play with. And if you're going to use a pro like that, I really believe you need to use it to their strengths. And, you know, and he hasn't, he really hasn't come through and really said, you know, I really like spinnerbait. 
So I really like, like, I mean, I'm personally, I'm known as a jerk bait and spinner bait guy. I mean, I mean, that's what I'm known. I can flip and, and everything else, but you get known for certain techniques. So, I mean, that's when I, when I was working with other company years ago, I mean, I built so many jerk bait rods because everybody knew that, I mean, I'm out there, I'm the jerk bait guy out there, always looking for a jerk bait bite. And so when I was talking to Cook the other day, he was ran and raving about this awesome swim jig. And, you know, I'm catching more swim jig. I love doing a swim jig. I said, okay, now we're getting somewhere, you know. So, I, you know, I can make a, a rod, that, you know, that you like and, you know, change the action, make it a little faster, a little slower, whatever you like. Um, I can make him a really good swim jig rod. So I know we're going to make a swim jig rod. I just need to talk to him more and, and you know, kind of get more out of him. What he really, really likes to fish. Because that's the rods that's the rods that you get, you know, you could get some mileage out of your pros on. So, I hope that makes sense. Yeah, no, it absolutely does. Gary, this is Tyler. Um, just a few more questions. Um, so you were talking about how you were known for jerkbait fishing. I went through a few of your rods just to try and figure out what I like for those jerk baits. I was curious to see if my preferences lined up with yours. So what's what's your favorite uh, favorite jerk bait rod out of your your lineup? Without a doubt, it's a it's a Champion Seven Hundred Four CB. Um, a lot of guys want to throw a five, and a five will work. But you know, my favorite jerk baits is like a a, a Vision One Ten and a Stacy Ninety. I mean, those two are the two baits that I throw. A lot, lot, and and a 704 CB is just—it's the best jerkbait rod I've ever had in my hands. It's just—it loads really good. You don't pull hooks out. Um, it's just a—it's just a freaking awesome rod. It's just all about the load, but it works the bait right too. And a couple of other baits that I do throw a lot is I throw a Pointer 128, and I throw the old Rapala Mag 18. Now those those are big baits, and they take the really. I throw the the seven hundred six CB for those, and I don't use a five at all personally. But we sell more seven hundred fives. I mean, probably ten to one over the other ones. But I I dial into the baits that I'm using, and I use a four to six. I just don't use a five at all, and it's because of the baits I throw. If you throw different baits, you know I can you know I can really see it. Like you know if you had a DD one hundred. You know, um, a pointer DD one hundred or something. You could probably throw that on a five, but you could also still throw it on a six. But a four would it would it would be too much bait for a four power. Uh, Gary, my name is Billy, man. I have uh, uh, two quick questions for you. I, I um, out of the crew here, we throw a lot of big swim baits, and I'm interested in um, well, really, what it is that drove you to offer such a wide range of swim bait rods, especially all the way up to the the uh big big swim i think you have one rated up to 20 ounces right your your mag yeah um yeah i'm just curious um where that sort of inspiration come a lot a lot of rod companies especially um you know readily available you know you get a lot of custom rod makers and stuff that'll build those rods but um the champion line and and the fury line both offer pretty wide range i was curious where that came from I'll tell you, they, uh, I build what fishermen want. And as, as different baits evolve and stuff, and I, got, I get a lot of requests, um, I just build a rod for it. And the swim bait, the swim bait market is really, it's kind of strange. And I mean, those guys are so anal and picky about, about baits and stuff that, uh, you know, 
they've got to have the right rod. And I've just, I've just built what they needed. And it's really crazy because I've been at shows before and like all of a sudden, I mean, I was down working at Andrews Marine at the Bassathon one year and we had a run on 867s. I mean, I only took like a dozen with me and we sold out in like an hour. <laughs> and I'm like, it just blew, blew me away. And well, then I found out, and I wish I'd remember the name because I can't, but the, the swim bait maker, the guy that makes the baits, and was in there, and I wish I, I'm embarrassed I can't remember his name, but he was telling everybody, dude, you need an 867. That is the best swim bait rod. And uh, so I went over and talked to him after that. I said, dude, you're selling rods for me like crazy. If you, you need some rods, call me. Yeah. I, <laughs> I appreciate it. But I don't work with any really one bait company, but if you build what the guys really like, they'll buy them. And because we build such a wide variety of, you know, light and really, really stout, heavy swim baits, um, rods, the guys will find one that they really like, and that way they don't have to go the custom route. Yeah, for sure. And, and truthfully, we do really well with our swim bait rods. I have, really well. I have every single one of them. <laughs> I love them. <laughs> they're, they're, I they get the that. job done. Um, one last question about those rods, too, is that I recently saw an older version of the 806 um, that was cork handle, and I'm curious as to what drew you to make the switch over to the, uh, I guess it's foam. I don't know what the material is that's on them. Yeah, it's e it's EVA. Yeah. In the old days, it was Hypalon, but Hypalon went away, and EVA has really come back. And I'll be honest with you, that's what all the swim bait guys wanted. I'm a cork guy. Um, I mean, I'm I'm a cork. I'm I've always want to put cork on everything. But the swim bait guys, the guys were really really into it early on. I mean, they kept saying EVA, 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 and so I made EVA. And and I'll tell you truthfully. A lot of companies use EVA because it is a fraction of the cost of cork. Cork is outrageously expensive, and EVA is relatively cheap. Right. Um, that had nothing to do with me putting it on the rods, I, I promise you. It was just the straight-up requests. Um, and I don't know. I don't really know why. I, I mean, I really don't. Like, I'm building a, you know, I've got a dealer that's wanting striper rod right now, and they sell a lot of striper rods. That's my hometown. It's in Yuba City. And... They're wanting, they're wanting EVA on a on a striper rod that I want me to build for them. And again, I would I wouldn't put EVA on it for personal use, but that's what they want. That's what their customers are asking for. I mean, that's what I'll build. Yeah, well, I think that's really cool that you take that kind of input. I feel like most companies have these sort of uh, closed door feelings to them, but yours obviously seems very open. Even just the fact that you're hanging out with us right now. It's pretty cool. Yeah, you know, if you build what fishermen want, I mean, and you and you and you have a good customer service, I mean, you you'll do well. I mean, it's just it. Uh, you know, I, I I tell everybody I suck at marketing. I mean, that's not my deal. But we do really well on quality of product, and we do really well on customer service. And and you know, we grow every year because of it. Um, you know, I'm I'm trying to pick up my marketing a little bit more, and that's you know now boom boom and. Drew Cook, and I've got a bunch of other guys that I'm talking to right now, but and I'm trying to pick my market. It's always been a weakness, but you know what? What never fails is word of mouth from bass fishermen. They get something they like, they tell everybody. And you know, and you have good customer service, they tell everybody. You have bad customer service, they tell everybody that too. Yeah, and I think that's a deciding factor for a lot of people as well. Just, I mean. I think that's a big part of why most of us have made the switch 
almost entirely over to Dobbins is just the warranty, the customer service. You get somebody on the phone, they, they talk you through what's going on. I mean, the whole experience with ordering the Cadence rods was a breeze, you know? It was just, it's, it's just really nice to deal with it. And on top of that, you get an incredible fishing rod, you know? It's, it's great. Yeah. Yeah, and a great price point, you. you know? I hate automatic phone systems. I just, those automated phone systems, I, I mean, when I get one of those, I just cringe. I'm telling you, Dobbins will never have an automated phone service. We're gonna, we're gonna always answer our telephones when they ring. Um, if all the lines are busy, it'll go to, it'll go to our answering. Did we lose him? You still there? Uh oh. Yeah, but the intercom never snapped. So where is he at? Hello. Guess the call failed. Yeah, I don't know what happened. Cell phones, you gotta love them. Alabama. Yeah, for sure. That kind of puts us into our next question. Um, you, you're at the Bassmaster Classic right now. Um, do you have any sleeper picks for fantasy fishing for us this week? You know, I gotta tell you. I mean, I honestly, I like two of my guys a lot. Um, number one is Drew Cook. He has been fishing. He's been fishing lights out all year. I mean, his rookie year, normally your first year on tour, I mean, you're, you're going to you're gonna step your toe a lot. And i got to tell you, the guy fished over his head all year. I won't say over his head. That's that's not true. Um, I expected him to go through the, you know, the the starry, the eye, you know, hey, I'm fishing the Bassmasters tour, and da, da, da. And he did. He came out, and he's fished solid all year long. He's got time on Guntersville. So I, I, you know, I know he. I really feel he's going to do well. The second guy is Mueller. I mean, the last time they were here, Paul took second, and the only reason he didn't want is he weighed three fish on the first day. Um, he weighed magnum bags on day two and day three. He stubbed his toe the first day, lost a couple fish. You know, just kind of spun out. He was fishing a Bassmaster Classic, he'd gotten his head, and he's way past that now. And I did. I tell you, I mean, I. I really like his chances too. So there's a lot of upcoming people that, you know, they dream to be fishermen and they go out every weekend. What what would be your advice to those people that are the weekend warriors that want to become pro? You've been there. You're dealing with the pros now. You see the ins and outs. How, how would you approach someone that's, say, a teenager, 15, 13 to 19 years old? What What would be your advice for that person? You know, guys, I've did. i worked in a lot of the high schools on career fair days and stuff, and I've got that question a lot. And, and I tell you, it's not really a really good answer, but first of all, I tell them to get an education. Um, it's very hard to make it in the fishing industry as a fisherman, okay? it's very The failure rate is very high. So get an education first and foremost. And in that education, you know, get some um, – you know, some public speaking, you know, get where you can talk in front of people because it's, I mean, not everyone can do it. And if you're going to make it, if you're going to make it as a tournament angler, you know, you got to catch fish, but you got to promote products. And that's where your, that's where your consistent money is going to come from is promoting products. So I tell guys, you know, fish all you can, but don't forget the marketing side of it, the promotional side of it and learn to speak. And, and the reason I'm so down on that, honestly, was I couldn't do it. I could fish. I could catch fish, and I mean, I was a really powerhouse fisherman, right? But you stuck a microphone in front of me, and I would lock up. I mean, if I knew I had to climb on a demo tank, I'd walk outside and throw up before I had to go up there. It was horrible. <laughs> and 
And I had some sponsors really push me hard and actually work with me a lot. I mean, they had me come into their offices and do seminars in front of their workers and stuff. And as corny as it sounds, it helped me. Now, I'm not going to tell you that I still don't get nervous when I climb on the demo tank, but I can hide it well. I know what I'm talking about, and you can work your way through it. So if get get the public speaking down pat, um, you know, and then, and then fish. And... There's ways to there's ways to make it. Number one, I mean, truthfully, if you're gonna make it, you're gonna have to come out of the West. You know, I mean, it's just the truth. If you're gonna make it, you gotta get out of the West. You know, we've got a, we've got some great circuits there, but you're never gonna get paid to fish in the West. It's not gonna happen. Um, you're gonna have to get in with you know one of the big circuits in the East. And I tell you right now, I mean, I think BASS is with the with the Opens is the best way to get into professional fishing is through the opens to get qualified for the elites and uh and make it that way because with mlf they handpicked a bunch of guys you know who's to say how they're going to do that we know none of us really knows um bass you know if you qualify through the open you can make it to the elites and you know and you're on your way and i think that's the easiest way to do it so i'll tell you if you're going to fish professionally you're going to you're going to make sacrifices you know and and truthfully i mean i qualified for a lot of those when i was younger i had the invites i mean ray scott called me many years ago and he wanted another western guy and i was catching fish really really well and but you know the sacrifice i make for my family you know i had a job i didn't make very much money but i had endless amounts of overtime but you know, I would have I would have put my family on the line, you know, to be able to just chase my fishing dream, and I so I chose not to do it. It was just it was too big a gamble with two little kids. When I got that phone call, it just there's so many sacrifices. These guys spend so much time on the road, and not only the tournaments. You know, if you got the sponsors, your sponsors are pulling you into shows. I mean, they're having you go to, you know, these, you know, a lot of dealers will throw like a spring sale and they put a request in. You know, your boat manufacturers are going to, you know, the boat dealers are going to put requests in. So you spend so much time away from home. The fishing part is the fun, easy part, but it's only half of it. Um, but I got to tell you, I got a little off track there, but I work with a lot of the college anglers. Guys, it would blow your mind at some of these super powerhouse fishermen that are coming up right now. I mean, these guys are good. They've got, I mean, they're awesome with their electronics. They, I mean, they are, they are good. And still, only a small percentage of them are going to make it. You know, they're just, it just takes that right break, you know, you, that right time and that right break. And a lot of these guys aren't going to make it. And I promise you, it's not because they can't catch fish. Yeah, it does seem definitely like it's with any sport, golf, football, baseball, whatever. There's always that niche person that's going to make it. Some don't. You know, I. How do we differentiate that? It's tough. I mean, because you got you got people who may get that chance at the national championship in the college series, and it's on the lake that fits their style or it doesn't fit their style and it's like that's a make or break but there's a lot of darn good fishermen out there in in the college world right now we know one of them i mean nolan minor he's uh fishes for west virginia and he came out fished a res tournament here in northern virginia never fished he'd, he'd actually fished one day for like four hours out there and came in fourth place on a body of water that had hundreds of years of knowledge between all the anglers and i mean he was a hammer 
So I mean, I know I think you know of him. He he was uh, in that classic bracket two years ago, lost in like the last five minutes to go into the classic. So there's a lot of good good sticks out there. You know, there's a lot of really, really good anglers, and I mean, I've got to, I've got to fish with the guys that are just, I'm just amazed at their skills. Um, and I'm amazed at some of the casting skills some of these guys have. I mean, it's obvious that they got a fishing rod in their hand a lot of time, a lot of the time. But it's still, you still got to have a, you still got to be a little bit halfway lucky, you know, to get that break you need, and um, and it takes a lot of dollars to get started too. And that's that's another issue is is getting started. I mean, these tournaments are expensive and the travel is expensive. When you're first starting out, I mean, you don't have sponsors paying your way things. It's, I mean, it's, you need family money or, or you eat a lot of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. <laughs> we know all about that. I love PB&J. <laughs> but, um, so do I. So do I. <laughs> um, one more thing. We noticed that you guys are starting to come out with some baits. Is there anything in the shoot that's coming out soon bait wise that you guys are going to start making you know i've i'm working on a few odds and end things i get really really picky and you know when i started with the baits it's like i poured my own jigs for years because i'm i mean that gamma gods 604 hook is the best round bend jig hook ever been made bar none i mean it doesn't flex but it's not it's not big it's i mean it'll penetrate really well it's just the best like a 604 14 is a, is a is a four odd a one five is a five odd and and i hand poured all of those just for tournaments i'd sunfish with any jig but when it come to tournaments i want that i wanted that hook in there and i i got tired of you know i i only use hand tied jigs i can't stand them slip on skirts and i'm and i like a lot of color in a jig i mean if you look at a crawdad he's not one color so i mean when i made the jigs you know, I just tried to address all the issues. Like, you know, a lot of the guys are weed guards. You push down on them, they break and fall out. So, I mean, I sunk them down deep in the mold, and then I put a collar around that. So you will not break one of my weed guards out. Mm-hmm. Um, they're hand-tied. I mean, the, the swim bait heads is something that we sell a ton of. The swim bait head, I made it because I got tired of super gluing my fingers together. Um, <laughs> I throw a lot of A rigs. I throw a lot of I throw a lot of Titex, all sizes too. I throw a lot of five point eights. Um, but I mean, you catch one fish, you make a bunch of casts of the bait, and it starts sliding off the hook, off the barb of the hook, drives me nuts. So you got to super glue it. Well, if you super glue them the night before, you're fine. But then if you don't use those baits up, then they get all you know they start changing colors and stuff. And if you super glue them in the boat, when you do that, you got to sit there and wait, you know, thirty seconds, which seems like thirty minutes when you're fishing. So I made, it's got a four barb system on that swim bait head. It's got a, you know, a, a 30 degree hook. So he's got a big bite. The note, the hook is out the nose of the bait. So he had actually swim. You watch that thing, it wobbles and swims really good. And that four barb system, you can't, you, you need to put it on there straight because you can't pull it off and grease and you're going to screw the bait up. You know, you need to rig it straight the first time. Um, just stuff like that. Spinner baits. You know, I welded the, welded the eye on there. So, I mean, you're never going to have a swivel go flinging out on a cast. I use stainless steel blades where everybody uses copper blades. Stainless steel is far better. And, and there may be a company in the U.S. using stainless steel blades, but I do not know of one. And because they're lighter, they spin so much, so much faster and truer. Um, you know, the skirt is tied strand to strand to strand to strand all the way around that whole skirt. Each single strand is placed on that skirt, you know, on that head and tied in place. And every color has got a specific place. I mean, 
I'm way, way, way too anal on that. But that's the way I like my baits. And so that's what I did. I just started really fixing a lot of the baits that I like to fish. I throw a lot of jigs. I throw a lot of spitter baits. I throw a lot of swim baits. Um, I throw a lot of nail weights. And that little bitty stupid nail weight that I made, you would not believe it. I just ordered in 170,000 packages of those baits. We sell them like crazy. They got a cool little box you could store them in. But the nail is short, so it's not one of those big, long nails. If you run it in the end of a Senko that makes that Senko rigid for like two and a half inches, yeah. it only goes in there about an inch, you know, and it's got a little bitty ball weight on the end of it, so it makes it easy to push it in, and there's the bulkier weight right there on the end of your Senko, which is going to be, you know, the lead's going to be in the dirt anyway on the bottom of the lake. You're never even going to see it, um, and you can't throw them out. Tungsten's good, but tungsten's super expensive, and they cast out of the baits. You know, the long nails, they kill the action. So I made this little stupid nail weight, and I made it for me. And we sell them to everybody. Once the guys use them, they're like, oh, my gosh, it's the best nail weight out there. Yep. So why do you call it a stupid nail weight? I said, it's a stupid nail weight. It's just the best one out there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, best stupid nail weight. But, well... I guess we can uh, wrap it up, but uh, just we all wanted to say thanks for taking the time out. And... Thank you very much. Yeah, we, we really appreciate it. Yeah, well, I I tell you, it's uh, it's always it's always good to talk fishing. I mean, I'm pretty good at running my jaws. I talk more about it than I do it anymore. So, <laughs> it, uh, I appreciate you guys too. Thanks for having me on. We'll we'll be in touch, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, buddy. Thanks a million. Uh, yep. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye bye. Uh, hold on. All right, guys, we're going to wrap it up. That's episode 15 for y'all. We had two special guests. We didn't really introduce him, but uh, Stephen Simpson was here tonight to join us. He asked a few good questions to Gary, and obviously Gary Dobbins. Huge shout-out to him for coming on the podcast, giving some insight to his rods and the company. Um, Yeah, that's episode 15. We'll be down at Smith Mountain Lake next weekend. We'll record a podcast Wednesday night, and then we're going to roll down. Whole crew's heading down for the first pibiffle of the year. So... Stay tuned for the next episode because we'll be talking about it. Peace and blessings. Dehe sent.